Well, we are walking through the I Am statements of the book of John. The I Am statements of the great I Am. Jesus declared unto us. Thank you. A little more? There you go. He said, I am light. He also said, let there be light. And Scott turned on the stars. <laughs> we've, uh, we've looked at a lot. Uh, we're almost through the series. And uh, I think probably the most recognizable statement even by folks who are just casual to the Word of God or to the church. I think this week's statement is probably one that, that most people have heard in some way, shape, or form. You've, they've heard it at funerals. They've, I've used it a lot at funerals. They've heard it um, in messages. They've heard it um, casually among believers. It comes out of John 14. John 14, 1 says, Your heart must not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This is Jesus speaking. In my Father's house are many dwelling places or mansions. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. I love Thomas. Lord Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I'm going to tell you something. That is a life-changing verse and more than just the way that we think about it. That verse alone makes Jesus the greatest con man and liar of all history, or God in flesh. He, he can't be one or the other. God, Jesus said that the only way you can come to a relationship with God the Father, the Creator of heaven and earth, the One that spoke and everything came into existence. The God that holds it all in His hands. The God of life and eternity. The only way you can come to Him is through me. That defines Christianity. It separates us from everything else. All about Jesus' life is contained in this message. Now, he hasn't died yet. He hasn't resurrected yet. He has not ascended yet. The Holy Spirit hasn't come and filled the church yet. 
But he is setting everything up for that in this very statement. As a matter of fact, in this chapter, he's going to talk about much of those things I just talked about. Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the way. Thomas said, the way where? The way what? what? What do you mean the way? What are you talking about? That ought to be the question of every heart today. I'm the way. And he defines it for us in this chapter. He goes on to talk about it in verse 7. He said, if you know me, you will also know my Father. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Good old Philip. Lord Philip said, show us the Father and that's enough for us. Just just show us God and we're good. We're good. Philip, have you been with me so long? have, Have I been among you all this time without you knowing me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does His works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Either believe me because I said it or believe me because of what you see. I don't care why, just believe. I'm God in the flesh. And I'm revealing to you what it means to have a relationship with God Almighty. It is have a relationship with me. Now I know everybody sitting in this room. And I've had a conversation with most every one of you at some length at one time or another over the last 11 years, and we've talked about your personal relationship with Christ. You've explained to me when that time was that you came to know Him, or how He has moved in your life and changed your life. And we've talked over and over as we fellowship through the years about what it means to be born again in your life. So much of what I'm going to talk about in this first point may not affect you in the moment, but it ought to make you want to rejoice. It ought to make you want to do a little happy dance at your table. It it ought to make your feet move. It ought to make your rear end want to get up out of the seat because of what God's done in your life. It may just be that somebody listening today has never heard the call of Christ in his life or her life. And it may just be that God's going to use this moment like He used it in my life and in your life. Because the greatest thing that God's wanted to, Jesus wanted to do was to reveal to us how we can know God. That we can have a relationship with Him and that it can be restored because it was broken. I, I don't know that I have to go into great detail To anybody to declare that men are sinners, that life is broken, and that we're undone. As a matter of fact, I think 
most people that are lost can look at the church and still see that because we're still all sinners and we're still broken. But we're not undone. Romans chapter 5 gives us a clear picture of what it means to have a relationship with God and how we can do that. And he begins by talking, Paul begins by talking to to this church at, at Rome, these believers at Rome, and he's talking to these believers and he's saying, Therefore, since we, we who have been born again, we who have a relationship with God, we have been declared righteous by faith. Because of that, we now have peace with God. Jesus was showing back in John how they could have a relationship with with God. How they could have a restoration to their relationship with God the Father, their Creator. And what's being declared in Romans is that, that until you have a relationship with God through Christ, that your relationship is broken and, it, and you, are, you are unrighteous. You are declared unrighteous up until that point. Since we have been declared righteous, before that we were not. Well, what brought us to righteousness? Faith. What's faith? Belief. It's the same word. It, 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 there's a, it's not just a mental assent. It's not just the fact that, oh, I know George Washington lived. It, it's not that I, I, I just, I, I believe the sun's going to rise today and it's going to set tonight. It's probably going to rain sometime before the day's over because we live in Florida. And if it doesn't rain, just go stand outside and you'll be wet in a few minutes from the humidity. You'll be raining. Yeah, that, that, I, I know that, but belief is enacting your life around that. Moving your life and ordering your life around that. I believe the sun's going to set today, so I'm going to prepare myself to make sure the lights are on. Make sure that my headlights work on the car if I'm going to be in the car. It, it may rain today. Or I believe it's a possibility of rain today. I'm going, to have, I'm going to have an umbrella with me. Or I'm going to have something with me set up so that I won't get wet. it's so hot outside that I'm going to stay in the air conditioning so I don't sweat wherever I go. It makes my actions different. That's what biblical faith is. Biblical faith isn't just some assent to the truth. It's being moved by that truth and changed by that truth. I've been declared righteous by my faith. Because of that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I have peace with God. God is no longer angry at who I am. God is no longer going to hold me under His hand of justice, His righteousness. I now am at peace. God has declared me His friend. God has declared me to be His his sheep of His pasture, as we read this morning. God has declared that I am now in right standing with Him because of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through Him by faith 
into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I have access. I, have, I can walk into the presence of an almighty God. Now, now, I don't just go in there arrogantly because he's God and I'm not. Uh, this idea that we just run to the man upstairs, uh, that's, that, that's foolishness. If you're a believer and that's your attitude towards God, you're a foolish, immature believer. You have access into the presence of the only one who exists by his own power. You have access into the one who spoke and everything that you see became. You have access to the one that when he speaks again, it'll all go away. You have access into the one who can move in your life and change and direct everything about your life and the life around you. Don't be arrogant with that. Be humbled by the fact that God has said, you can come into my presence joyfully. Scripture tells us not only we can come, but we can come boldly. Boldly is not arrogantly. Boldly means I can come to Him because He said it, and I know it, and I believe it, and I can come before Him because He has declared it to be true. That'll make you get happy, won't it, Sam? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But do you understand that for every living soul, those you love and those you cannot stand, those that bless you in every day of your life and those who aggravate you beyond your wildest imagination, every politician every judge, every mother, every baby is a living soul and they must make this choice and decision to believe either because of what He has said or because of what they've seen Him do or they stand apart from God under the weight of His judgment, under the penalty coming to their sin. If you're a believer in the room, that ought to grieve your heart. Every person you ride home today, as you pass them on the road, you, as you see these faces in these cars, it ought to move you. Does that person know God? Have they been born again? Have they heard the truth of the gospel? Have they made a choice? Have they chosen Christ? What can I do? How can I pray? How can I serve? How can this life inside of me come out in a way that they hear and know how much God loves them and what He's done for them and what He'll do for them? And how they can come to Him. You ought to be moved by that. I ought to be moved by that. 
because of what God has done in us. Because every one of those people will spend an eternity separated from a holy God and everything that is good in unimaginable pain and suffering and punishment for their sinfulness and for their nature of sin if they are not redeemed by the blood of Christ. Listen, we don't like preaching about hell. We don't like talking about what it is. We, in fact, most of the, the world around us, the Christian world around us, doesn't even want to talk about hell anymore. We just want to talk about how good God is and the goodness and grace. And listen, God is better than good in more ways than we could ever spend a lifetime talking about. But if we don't warn people about the other side of that, Listen to me. You need to, to, to take seriously the truth that you're going to die one day. And there are only two destinations. Eternity in heaven with an almighty God and His saints and the angels rejoicing in heaven in glory and rejoicing forever in His presence and blessed by the very hand of God Himself. Or an eternity separated in darkness and suffering with every vile, imaginable, sinful creature there is, angelic and human alike. Totally cut off from God, totally cut off from His grace, totally cut off from the mercy that God bestows upon every human being today. The Scripture says that it's eternal flame and torture. Well, how could God do that? Because God's just and holy. I, you know what amazes me even more? Is how could God save us? Listen, if you think how could God send someone to hell, how could God not? The most amazing thing about God is that He is gracious and redeeming and loves us enough to bring us into His presence by the payment of our sin by this same Jesus Christ that we've been talking about. You understand that He took that punishment. He suffered that separation. That same hell that we're talking about Jesus suffered that same death for you and I that are redeemed. For everyone that would receive Him and place their faith in what He did. The Bible says in Romans 5, 6 that while we were still helpless... At the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly, for rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even die. But God proves His own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than since we have now been declared righteous by His blood, we will be saved through Him from wrath. For if, while we were sinners, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, then how much more, 
having been reconciled, will we be saved by His life? Let me tell you something. If you don't rejoice in the life of Christ, you have been redeemed not to blandness and boringness, but to a life. Not just eternal life. Your eternal life began the moment you were redeemed. In fact, your eternal life began the moment you were created. But your redeemed life began the moment you were made right with Christ by the blood. And it ought to be a life rejoiced today. He said, I'm the way. I'm the way to this relationship with God. There is no other way. It's not that I'm against Buddha or Buddhist or, or Confucius or, or Muslims and Muhammad. It's not that I hate them or so against them. I hate what they stand for. I hate the way the enemy uses it. I hate how Satan has diverted and distorted the truth of who God is. But I don't hate them. I want for them to find out the truth of grace the reality of who God is and how much he loves them because they stand today where I stood before I accepted Christ outside of God's love under his hand of justice helpless We have the opportunity to have a relationship with God because He is the way. He is the only way. I will never, ever apologize for the straight and narrow and true way of Christ in a world that does not want to hear it because it's the only hope that the world has. And we must boldly, proudly, compassionately passionately declare there's hope to those who have none. Let me tell you what else God tells us or Jesus tells us here today. He tells us that He is the way. He's the way to rest. You ever get tired? I mean, kind of like that bone, die, tired. That, that, you know, I've been working three days and it's only been one day, tired. You know what I'm talking about? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He told us in verse number two, he said, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. I love that word. And I love the King James because the King James says mansions, and we all want to think ours is the biggest and bettest, best and baddest, and, you know, a home makeover and all that. But you know where they get the word mansion from? They get it from the Hebrew. The Hebrew word there is mansio, M-A-N-S-I-O. And, and so, you know, mansion sounds right, doesn't it? Just put an N on it, and you got mansion. But what it means is it's talking about a traveler's resting place it's it's that one who's been weary and traveling for so long and sees the resting place just off the, the side of the hill and it's a place you can come and stay and recuperate and rest and listen i look forward to the day 
I, I, I kind of can see the hill now. It's coming soon that we're going to be able to rest eternally. But I want to praise God for a moment and just tell you, you, you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to rest in who God is. He said, just come and pull up a chair and rest in me. Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. What do, who is all? Sam, are you in the all? How about Mary? Is Mary in the all? Uh, what, what does all mean? All. Anyone who would. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. I'm just going to tell you, I'm tired today. It's been a long week. Not, not a bad week, just been a, a long week. A lot, lot to do this week. Yesterday ended up being a little more than I thought it was going to be. And, and I try not to do that on Saturday because Sunday's coming. But it was. And I'm, I'm physically weary. Slept great last night. Just could have used two or three more hours. <laughs> but I, I'm tired. But I want to tell you something. You stand up here on this praise team and you start to sing some of these songs that we did in rehearsal and then you get to sing them with y'all and, and something kind of starts happening inside and you start getting a little peppy inside and, and suddenly you're not so tired anymore. Why? Because you've just kind of stepped into who Jesus is. You've begun to rest and relax and let Him carry the burden said, all of you, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Didn't say you wouldn't have a yoke. Didn't say you wouldn't have a burden. Didn't say you wouldn't have some work to do. Wouldn't have a load to carry. But my load's light. My burden's easy. Let me carry yours. You take mine. Because if you take mine, I'll take you. You've heard this before. I've used it here before. When they talk about pairing up a pair of oxen under a yoke, most times they'll take a wise, older, trained, mature ox, and they'll put a young Steve ox next to it, one, that, one that's stubborn and foolish and and, and willful and wants to play instead of work. Well, that was when. And they'll hook them up because that old, mature, wise ox will take the lead and he'll pull and he'll teach to where that younger one will learn and then he can pull. Who does all the work? The mature, the, the wise, the strong leader ox all you got to do is just crawl up in the yoke with Jesus he does all the heavy lifting all you do is just carry along with him that's exactly what he wants he wants to help you to rest to find that dwelling place to find that that traveler's place where you can just lay back maybe it's got a porch and a cup of coffee 
Maybe it's, it's sitting on the, the, the other side of the house where, where there's a breeze. You can sit on the porch in the rocking chair and the sun's not in your face. You can have that cup of coffee or that glass of tea or glass of water and you can just rest and rejoice. Doesn't mean you're not going to be working, but you're not carrying the load. Listen, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I'm the way to a relationship with God. I'm the way to rest. I'm the way to reward. It amazes me that God blesses us with a reward. Why do we get anything out of this? But that's His promise. Look with me a few verses over in chapter 14. Look at verse number 12. Jesus said, I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. That's one of the hardest passages in in Scripture for me. I'm going to be really honest with you. I, I want to believe that in ways that I don't know how to believe that. Jesus said that you and I can do greater things than He ever did. How can I? How's that possible? He said that the works that I do will bring glory. To God the Father and God the Son. You and I can do things today and tomorrow and in the days to come that in heaven the angels will rejoice around the throne of God as God is receiving glory from your efforts. I just want you to sit back for a second and think about what that means what that is that what I do when I help a neighbor when I pray for a soul when I bless someone with my time or my talent or my finances or myself when I speak the truth when it would be much easier to speak a lie when I obey His Word, when it would be much easier to not, or much more pleasing to the flesh to not obey the Word. He's glorified. Why? Because I'm not doing that on my own. I'm doing that because I'm hooked up in the yoke with Jesus. And He's leading me. And He's directing me. And He's getting glory because this old sinful, sorry, no good for nothing individual did something holy and righteous and pure. In the name of Jesus, for the glory of the Father. He he said in verse number 15, If you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father, and He'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. You, you, You want to know what a reward is? Reward is that not only can you come into the very presence of God, But God has come into your very presence. God has sent another. 
the Holy Spirit, the Trinity of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is the one who works in the world today and He lives inside of Jamie. And He works in Jamie. And He works in you and you and you and you and all of us who are believers. God Himself came and made Himself at home in your presence. Anybody know what our memory verse is this month? What's our memory verse? Psalm 119, 11. Anybody know what it says? <laughs> Go ahead. The, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I've treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. How is that possible that I've treasured the Word of God in my heart, something that's foreign to this sinful, fleshly nature? Oh, it's, it's the fact that the Holy Spirit of God's living in me. And He's revealing that Word to me. Somebody look up Psalm 119.105. Uh, you, there you go. You're right on it. Go ahead. Thy word is a light, light to my path, and a lamp to my feet. There you go. It's the word of God. We, listen, you've been blessed with the living God living inside of your heart. You've been blessed with the written word, God himself. And he's revealing it to you so that you can understand who he is. Talk about a reward. It, we, we're, we're so hung up. The preachers today are preaching so much garbage about this life and getting things and having blessing. Listen, you want blessing? God lives in you. God has written His Word, the living Word of God, in front of you, and He's revealing it to you so you can know how to fellowship with Him. You can know what to stay away from. You can know what to run to. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your under, own understanding, but think about Him in all your ways. And what's He going to do? He's going to guide you. How is that possible? I have a relationship with Him. I'm resting in Him. And He has blessed me with His very presence as a reward for my faith in Him. I'm the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me.